0: Bismillah, Rahman, and Him, and Loh, Him, and Loh, Him, and Loh, Him, and Alhamdulillah alhamdulillah inna hamduhu wa a wa nastaghfiruhu wa n'aminu bihi wa natawakkalu and wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyiati a'malina man yahdihillahu fala mudilla la wa man who fala hadiya when wa nashhadu an la ilaha illa Allah wahdahu la sharika when wa nashhadu anna was wa sanadana wa shafiyana Muhammadan 'abduhu wa rasuluhu amma ba فَعُضْمِ اللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمَ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَانِ الرَّحِيمِ وَمَنْ أَصْلَكُ مِنَ اللَّهِ حَدِيثًا صَدَكُ اللَّهُ الْعَظِيمِ So we are on the finishing inshallah the second half of the fifth juz of Quranul Karim and we are in Surah An-Nisa Surah An-Nisa verse number 87 to the last phrase of verse number 87 is wa man astu kuminallahi haditha that indeed who is there who is more truthful than Allah subhanahu wa Taala haditha in his in his statements. So this is a phrase that will come elsewhere in the Quran. al-Karim. wa man astu kuminallahi kila wa man astu kuminallahi haditha, and this is comes at the conclusion of an ayah where Allah is saying something emphatically, it's for taqeed, this for emphasis, but it's something for us to think about. And I also feel that if sometimes somebody has any doubts, or they're not fully 100% in certain conviction about the meaning of a verse, or the import of the verse, or the interpretation of the verse, or the understanding of the verse, or the Hidayah guidance in the verse, or the understanding of the verse, they can recite this حديثة, and reflect on this that Allah is the most true being, the being of utter truth, Al haq the only being who is truly, absolutely, eternally, pre eternally real and manifest, and evident, and kalamullah is the greatest truth that could possibly exist. I don't think we fully appreciate and understand the level of truth in Qur'an al-Kareem. It is the definition of truth, it is absolute truth, pure, pristine, immaculate, unshakable, unalterable truth. And if there's something that me and you maybe don't understand or we can't you know, reconcile it with some aspect of modernity or postmodern secular liberalism or whatever, then that's a flaw in our own mind. And that's okay because there are many truths that me and you may not understand. There are many scientific truths that are beyond my understanding. How it is that I can speak right now and across the world within one second somebody can hear that, that's a scientific reality. I cannot claim to understand how exactly that happens. So we should also, un- what I'm trying to explain here, here, is that The Truth capital T Truth is something that transcends human rationality and that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent The Truth in Wahi, in Revelation, in Kitab in Scripture, in Quran Al-Kareem and obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uniquely is able to do that because He is the one and only God He is the only one who is Al-Alim uh, and who, is, who possesses all knowledge and Allah Hakim possesses all wisdom Alright, verses 88 onward And there are going to be a lot of verses uh, now Talking about this incident So I will talk about it very briefly And that is the Hijra. So all of you would know about this famous incident uh, That when the Sahaba-i Kiram taala And Sayyidina Rasulullah Migrated from Makkah Makarma to Medina Manawra Now There were some People also At that time even in the late Meccan period and certainly throughout the Medinan period, who Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala himself, again in his absolute knowledge and his absolute truth, right? Remember again Waman as مِنَ اللَّهِ Haditha. So it's as much related to as what's coming before it, but it's actually a very important introduction to what's coming after it. And that's in that sense I'm using uh, I'm trying to explain it to you today. So there were people called by Allah Taala, who is the ultimate true being in the Quran which is the ultimate work of truth munafikun, that they're hypocrites now in when this word comes in Quran al-Kareem it's not referring to what mean you might say in English oh that person's hypocritical they practice, they don't practice what they preach they say what they don't do no, no, it's referring to something much more intense here it's talking about nifaq fil iman means that they claim and profess and outwardly adopt and posture as if they are believers, but deep inside their heart, in the ruh, they are disbelievers. Now you must understand also that the Qur'anic understanding of Kufr, the original disbelievers, meant those, and you may have heard me translate it this way before in the series, those who denied the truth and chose to disbelieve denied the truth knowing it to be the truth but yet chose to disbelieve it in any way that's the reality of Abu Lahab and Abu Jahl and not all but the overwhelming majority of Quranic unquote Kuffar at the time of Sayyidina Rasulullah <inaudible> so the hypocrite is one level even worse that they know the Prophet to truly be the true Prophet Of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, they know that Allah Taala truly does exist. They know that Qur'an Al Karim is the true revelation and Kalam of Allah Taala, but they choose to deny it and disbelieve it in any way. However when they deny it and disbelieve it, they decide for worldly gain, for worldly reasons, not for akhirah, not for Allah Ta'ala, not for religion, not for spirituality, for worldly reasons to adopt and posture as believers. Alright? Now, the reason I said all this is a very subtle thing. The munafikun in the Quran are not atheists. The munafikun in the Quran, they know that Allah Ta'ala is true they know Quran is true they know the Prophet is true so I keep repeating this but they choose to deny that truth and what is the form of the denial they choose not to believe in it they choose not to submit it so by believe I'm not talking about epistemologically acknowledging existence or truth they do that by believe it means they don't submit they don't take iman they don't adopt Islam they don't do taslim but Even worse than that, they pose as believers for certain worldly gains. So what happened was that when, and the second thing I'll also tell you, is that the Sahaba Kiram did not know definitively who these Munafikun were. Alright, now when Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu wa and the Sahaba migrated from Makkah to Medina Manawra, there were some people who approached the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa and they asked, that We want to return to Makkah makarma. Some of them said, We want to ret- They give different reasons. Some of them said, Oh, we left some things behind, we want to collect them. Some of them said we need to return there because we're not able to earn a livelihood here And we had our tijara, our trade, our commerce there So we're going there for our livelihood Alright Now when they made this request, the true believers, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ were unsure And they were divided basically in two opinions one opinion was that no they are believers but maybe they have a legitimate reason of going or maybe they're finding it difficult here and the second opinion was that no these are those manafikun these must be those manafikun Allah has been telling us about in Quran reading. these are the fakes, these are the imposters so the Sahaba Karam genuinely in the lifetime of the Prophet وسلم, had a difference of opinion about how to view those people alright, now Interestingly, Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam himself did not resolve this difference of opinion. Many ulama feel that the Prophet some knew but for whatever reason he chose not to resolve it and so we can just speculate one may be that he was Rahmatul alameen he was so merciful so tender so kind so loving so compassionate he was hoping maybe hoping against hope as one might say in English that these munafikun would accept iman he didn't want to out them because he knew once he outed them then they would be committed to their path of disbelief that they have chosen and there would be no hope for them and he was compassionate for every member of humanity and he didn't want to do anything that ended up Ceiling, the heart of a person. But because the Sahaba Ikram now started at this moment. So in Makkah Makarim, Allah ta'ala did not out them. After the Hijrah, and then they themselves came and they said they wanted to go back. So in these passages, Surah nisa verses 88 and onward, if you will, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is going to out them. Alright? And Allah Ta'ala will make it clear that they are they are manafikun. Alright, they they are who? Again, the people who wanted to go back to Makarama after uh, reaching Medina Manawara. Some ulama are of the position that not only does this pa- th- these verses in this passage cover the group of people that I just described to you, it also covers another group of people, and those were the ones who remained in Makkah Makarama initially and, and, and never made that initial hijrah and never even migrated to Medina Manawra in the first place. So the reality is that there were some who remained in Makuma for that reason and but there were some who genuinely uh, remained in Makuma because they were too elderly or sick or ill to make the Hijra. Okay? But from that group who after making the Hijra wanted to return, the entirety of them is held to be from the Munafikun. Alright. Now what now I Beyond that, I'm I'm not going to talk more about the passages, uh, but I'm going to pluck out certain general, universal teachings from these ayat. So, in verse 88, Allah SWT says something. So, the second part of the verse: aturiduna أن من that to all of you believers, wish that you all will be able to give hidayah and guide those people such a person man adallahu that allah ta'ala has let them go astray wamay yudlilallahu falan tajidalahu sabila no and know that every per- such person, any such person, whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lets them go astray, then never ever will you be able to find for them a sabeel, a way and a path, any yani a way and path of guidance. Alright? So now, me and you won't always know this. But sometimes, even now, there are very few people like this, but they will do something of their own testimony, their own words, their own actions will definitively establish that they've chosen to deny the truth and disbelieve in it even though they know it to be true. So for a person like that, it's not possible to guide them when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala let them go astray. So what does it mean that we are responsible in the same way that Sayyidina Rasulullah was wa responsible was for initial dawah, an initial invitation to deliver the message, to clarify the message, to be living models and exemplars of the true virtues and character of Deen of Islam. And beyond that ultimately Allah ta'ala knows best, who has chosen to accept the truth and who will choose to deny it. Alright Then in verse 90 uh, There's also uh, what, what comes later than in, the, in these passages In Surah Nisa Is some more akam Or rulings About warfare Right And I, I, I had done this Once in Surah Bakr And told you That I will not Talk about it again But again I will pluck out Certain things From these ayat That are of particular Interest Or universal Application So there's one group In verse 90 In the middle Who Allah SWT Says and granted That you should not Fight them you should not fight them. Who? So the first is those who. <speaking in foreign language> that those who join a group between whom, between whom that group and you, between them and you, there is a treaty, right? So if you have made a peace treaty with a group. And some other member who was not part of the group when you made the treaty, but later they join the group, afterwards the peace treaty will apply to them as well. Alright. Second, or they come to you. So the first is they seek refuge and sanctuary in a group with whom you have a peace agreement. The second is that they come to you believers. They come to you themselves. Why? Hasidat, and this is why I wanted to highlight this verse. Listen very carefully. Hasidat suduruhum ain o ou yokatilukomahum. That it. There's something restraining their breasts. Their breasts are restrained. The hearts in their breasts. The conscience in their breasts. The humanity in their breasts. So sometimes the word sudur, its plural. Sudur, which means breast. It's coming, used by Allah Ta'ala Quran, to denote the essence of our humanity, our conscience, our innate morality. It's restraining. Their hearts are restraining them. From what? That they should fight you, with the intention to kill you, and it, their heart in their breast, their conscience in their breast is also restraining them that they should fight even their own people. So this is also notion of humanity, that those who are not perverted by an evil hatred for belief. Even may they not, may they not, they have not adopted belief themselves, it's still about disbelievers, but they won't resort to violence or desire to kill. Now this also makes it clear, this is why I'm highlighting this, That this makes it clear that all the verses in Quran about engaging in battle with the disbelievers is about those disbelievers whose Conscience is such that it has so much hostility to believe in the people of Iman that they wish to kill them. And any disbeliever, even though they remain a disbeliever, but their heart does not have that hostility that they wish to kill, then you cannot fight them. This is what I'm trying to highlight for you in this verse. Alright? And then Allah SWT says... That, okay, what happened to these people? They find they don't believe, but they don't have that violent intention. However, had Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed, Allah Ta'ala could have made them musallat on you. Means Allah could have made them triumphant and could have given them power over you but rather than doing that they're coming to you in peace in non-violence and saying we are not of you we don't believe what you believe we don't want to believe but it doesn't mean we want to fight you and we want to kill you alright okay so if, 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 if Allah Ta'ala had willed he would have given them such a power and warrant and authority over and upon you and then surely they would have fought you and tried to kill you فَإِنِ And if they withdraw back from you lam Then you cannot engage them in battle. Instead what you should do وَأَلْقَوْا as You should offer them peace. Hmm? So they're coming to you with non-violence. You will not engage them in violence. You will offer them a peace, so they're coming to you non violence means. They're coming to you neutral. You're going to take. You gonna accept that neutrality and take it one step further, and you're going to offer them peace. And then Allah Ta'ala makes it clear: فَمَا جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ سَبِيلًا. Allah Ta'ala has not. Allah Ta'ala has not made for you. Permitted to you him upon them, Sabila, you have no means that you can adopt against them. You have no right to do anything against them. Why? Who are those people? It's not that they accepted Iman, they remain disbelievers, but their hearts, conscience, their inner humanity restrains them, prevents them from wanting to fight and kill the believers. So again, understand what I said that means, that when this clear, crystal clear in Quran was the guidance for such people, it means that then the guidance about engaging is only for those who have this desire of violence and to kill the people of belief. And that is what in simple English one would call self-defense, or one in a more fancy term would call to remove tyranny and oppression and injustice. Right? So these, this was the major thing I wanted to highlight for you and then, you know, all the way up till uh you know, there are different uh verses, I mean different akam teachings, legal rulings up to verse ninety nine. Okay, on verse one hundred, back again to the concept of Hijra. All right. So in verse 100, again, is an absolute, uh, universal, general rule. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is saying, first and foremost, obviously true. Yes, historically about the migration of Sabekarom, brother Allah Taala, from Makkah, Makkah to Madinah Manara, but in a more broad sense that I will explain. Verse 100, Surah An Nasr, Surah 4. Verse 100. But may Yuhajir fi sabilillahi yajid fil ardi wasa. And whomsoever migrates in the path of Allah Ta'ala Seeking the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala For the sake of deen Any and every such person will find Fil ardi on earth They will find many many places of refuge Places where they can settle Places where they can relocate Wasa, and they will find a lot of abundance in provision and sustenance. I mean, that will come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It will come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then Allah Ta'ala goes even one step further وَمَا yakhruj min and whomsoever leaves their home muhajiran, migrating إِلَى wa for the sake literally means to Allah Ta'ala and to the Prophet Sallallahu for the sake of Allah Ta'ala and the path of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and then while they're in the act of migrating death overtakes them indeed they die فَقَدْ ajruhu still the reward of having completed the migration and relocating and resettled will entirely be due upon them uh, on, will be due to them upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. and indeed Allah ta'ala is ever and always all forgiving and all merciful loving compassionate All right. now there are different concepts of hijra. so one was this initial Hijrah so the question rises today what is and what is not hijra? So the first thing is, is that there's, there, okay, so some people take this teaching in a wrong way. And they try to suggest that every single Muslim living in any non any land which is majority non-Muslim, or any land that is majority Muslim but the government is not entirely following all of the Islamic teachings, that such a person must make a quote-unquote hijra. That is not true. Alright? In fact the Sahaba Kiram, Ta'ala themselves and the Tabin and the Tabai Tabin, so you know that these first three generations are the Salaf Salihin right? And they are golden three generations. They actually migrated to many non Muslim lands and they established Muslim communities, sometimes very small communities, sometimes larger communities. Deep in the heartland of non Muslim lands. And yes, many times due to the barakah, the blessing of their ikhlas, sincerity, and their akhlaq, their character, that those Mus- Muslim communities expanded and eventually actually became the entire land, surrounding com- lands, empires even became Muslim. But it began by that drop. So the same thing is true today. However, on the other hand, if a person is living in any place in the world, whether it's a Muslim country, non-Muslim country and they feel that there's something in their immediate society, culture, neighborhood, surrounding, context, environment, which is harmful to their iman, which is threatening their iman, then yes, it is considered better for them than to migrate to a place where they can live more comfortably and easily on their iman. So if there's a place where there's a lot a lot not a little there's a lot of hostility or prejudice or bias and a person has the means and the ability to migrate from there it would be better not far, not required but it would be better for them if there's a place that doesn't have many masajid or ulama or shayuk or Islamic institutions of learning or go to Islamic schools and parents have children and, and, and there are other places that have such uh, institutions and communities, it would be better for them to migrate to such a place. Alright? Okay. Another aspect of hijrah can also be so, not for the sake of, so this this what I just did right now is for the sake of one's own deen. Another aspect can be for the sake of the deen of others. And that was the dawah that the Sahaba karam and Tabin and Tabay Tabin did. Otherwise, why in the world would anybody leave Makkah Makarama, Medina Manawra? Quds Sharif, Damascus, Baghdad, Kufa, Basra, write These wonderful, wonderful Islamic metropolises and go live deep like I told you in the heartlands of the non-Muslims. They did this for the sake of da'wah. Okay, so that's another type of Hijrah, to move to a place like I know some very noble uh, men and women, Alim and alimas from South Africa, who migrated to Venezuela and some of these Central American, Latin American countries for the sake of Dawah. Otherwise in their own home Their communities were much much stronger Islamically But they migrated for the sake of dawa. So that has to be done with a lot of care Istikhara To discuss with others To be in the guidance of Ullam To make sure that you're strong enough to do that To be in constant contact Maybe to do that for a limited period Maybe not necessarily to do that for one's whole life But that is also a type of migration all right, and there can be others, but this was enough of an example. Okay, verse 103. Verse 103. So in verse 101, 102, in 102, there's a lot of uh, a very technical description of how to pray, how you must continue to pray the far salah, and how to do so when engaged with those who are people of violence, uh, and those people who have intention to murder. When you're engaged with them on the battlefield, how you will, how you must continue to pray your salah. In verse 103, Allah wa ta'ala mentions at that time, but also generally a principle, what? الصلاة, when you completed, finished, offered your salah, your prayer, جنوبكم, that you must continue to remember Allah ta'ala always when standing, when sitting, and lying on your sides. And if you remember, we did this verse earlier, and the reason I'm highlighting it here, because some people mistakenly think that that verse about dhikr means salah and it's just talking about the three different ways people pray so this verse makes it clear that Allah Ta'ala when you've completed your salah Hmm? you must do zikr. you must remember Allah Ta'ala standing, sitting and when you're lying upon your sides, meaning at all times because a human being is always in one of these three postures so then imagine, just think that if Allah Ta'ala wants that after salah, we should remember Allah Ta'ala so intently, so profoundly so constantly, that we're remembering him in every state, imagine the amount of zikr we should have had inside the salah Allah hmm? Akbar so this is the teaching of our deen. Elsewhere Allah Ta'ala has made it clear about, that you should establish Salah for my remembrance, Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, for the sake of the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. and if you're successful in that, then that remembrance will linger. That remembrance will continue. The connection established in Salah will continue after the Salah. That's the purpose of Salah. And Alhamdulillah, because we are now in Ramadan and offering the Fardh fast, so we should also take this month as an opportunity to fix and improve our Fardh Salah. And the way to do that is to improve the recitation that we, uh, the, the, the zikr and remembrance that we have in Salah. Then ver- uh, then the end of this verse, uh, in the that indeed the salah has been prescribed upon the believers mokuta from waqt at fixed specific times. Alright? And this is the understanding that, that the formal salah is at the five times that all of you know. Maghrib Isha. Okay. Verse one oh five to verse one oh seven. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to mention this notion of judging. Judging on the basis of Quran al kareem Because when we did this before yesterday that Allah Ta'ala said that we must judge with adul, with I mean, we must decide and be hakam between people in adl in in justice and in fairness and in equity. So there's a particular historical event that happened at the time of Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ about a criminal who was presented to him and judging about the crime. Okay, again I'm not going to tell you the, that long historical detail because it's a general teaching. General teaching. إِنَّا <laughs> Bil Allah says, indeed I, Allah says, indeed I, in all my might and my knowledge and my attributes and my wisdom and from my essence have sent down ilayka to you Sayyidina Rasulullah you singular Al-Kitabah in the, the, book, in the Qur'an al Bil-Haqqi with the absolute truth so that you singular Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi may judge between and amongst all of the people on the basis of which what Allah Ta'ala has shown you singular Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam وَلَا inina and you should not plead for the deceitful now just to tell you obviously in Nabi Karim sallallahu there's someone never knowingly plead for the deceitful there was somebody who was let's say deceiving or pretending to be innocent right uh, and Allah Ta'ala is telling and here uh, Allah Subh'ala Ta'ala is saying that you should never plead on their behalf so what we learn here is sometimes uh, that people will deceive you the arbitrators of justice. People will plead innocence incorrectly. Alright? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, So seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's addressed again in the singular... So, O oh, you Prophet and Alaihi Wasallam seek forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa taala in Allah hakana rahima. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa taala is all forgiving, all merciful. This will help you understand why it comes in the hadith that Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "I make, I seek Allah's forgiveness seventy times every day." What does it mean? So this is a beautiful thing. Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was not seeking forgiveness for sins and disobedience. Rather, he was seeking Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness For errors In judgment That he was making Because he was too merciful Compassionate Optimistic about human beings Allahu Akbar And that was his nature And that's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him All right. And this is exactly what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling him That somebody is deceitful And you're pleading their case You don't know they're deceitful But they're deceiving you and 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 you are so loving and soft and tender and kind and compassionate and merciful. So seek Allah's forgiveness, right? In Allah and is all forgiving and all merciful. All right. Then And do not argue concerning those who have deceived themselves. Do you want it to deceive? others wanted to be in the state of self-deception self-delusion then allah Ta'ala says a very important thing and, and we did this people before a verse where allah Ta'ala says la yuhibbu and he mentions two mentions it in pairs if you remember last time, it was Muqtalan Fakhura, and here is what, in Indeed, Allah SWT does not love any and every such person who is Khawan. Khawan is a and tenth form of khatn, is treacherous, is betraying, athiman, is extremely sinful and sinning. Allah SWT does not love such a person. Allah Taala will never love such a person. Allah Taala, it is beyond evil, even Allah taala's mercy and compassion even beyond his being a rahman and al-Rahim and al-Ghafoor al-Ghaffar, to love such a person who is khawar and azimah so who are those people in the next couple of, ver- next verse Allah would describe who they are, number one يَسْتَخْفُونَ مِنَ النَّاسِ they seek to hide from the people وَلَا يَسْتَخْفُونَ مِنَ اللَّهُ but they cannot hide from Allah taala. they cannot hide from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So what does it mean? Right? This is a notion of a uh, deception Right? This is a notion of the deception The self-deception to deceive others But they can't deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala They seek to hide their reality from others But they cannot hide from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala They try to plot secretly Right? Their crimes when they're hidden from others but they can't hide they're plotting secretly from Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala all right second min اللَّهِ وَهُوَ مَعَهُمْ Allah <laughs> Subhanahu with them when they plot by night those things that Allah Ta'ala is not pleased with al qawl So they, they plot by night in words That Allah Ta'ala does not approve وَكَانَ اللَّهُ بِمَا muhita, And Allah Subhanahu Wa ta'ala Is entirely His awareness and His knowledge Encompasses entirely بِمَا yamalun Every single thing that they do Right. Atheiman means extremely sinful So extremely treacherous Extremely deceptive Extremely betraying And extremely sinful So we make dua that Allah Ta'ala Never make us among such people That we should never plot secretly Against others We should never think that we can hide from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala We should never think that we can conceal anything From Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala We must always remember that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is all knowing Al-Alim and Al-Khabir And all aware Okay, in verses 110 to 112, Allah ta'ala talk about sinning and repenting from sin. yamal And whomsoever perpetrates and commits an evil deed, or in any way wrongs themselves through some act of transgression or oppression, thumma but then thereafter يَسْتَغْفِرُ seeks the forgiveness of Allah surely they will find and know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is rahima. He is all forgiving and all merciful Alhamdulillah so all we have to do is seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness and immediately what will happen is we will find the reality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the being who is all forgiving, all merciful, loving and compassionate my yaksib isman, and anybody who commits an a sin and thereby earns its foulness and its punishment then they have only earned that sin to the detriment of their own self Wa and indeed Allah SWT is all knowing and all wise. It means that the sins that we do are only stains and harm for ourselves, and it's our own self-interest that we should ask Allah SWT's forgiveness. Then, wa may and that person who earns through their active commission khati'atan some fault, or oh, or a sin, thumma yer But then after that, means to throw it, to cast it on an innocent. It means they do a sin and they blame an innocent person. So they cast the blame or they cast that, throw that sin upon someone who is bari, who is actually absolved and innocent and pure from it. So a completely innocent person. فَكَدْ then surely that person has taken on a burden اِحْتَمَلًا has taken a haml has taken on a burden upon themselves of what of a buhtan that they falsely slandered someone and they have done an إِثْمًا mubina, a very clear and manifest sin so this is the verse in Qur'an al karim uh, which prohibits uh, in very strong words that we should never ever Blame others for things that they haven't done We should never attribute sin To those or accuse people of sin Sins that they are innocent of Alright One fifteen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah ta'ala mentions another general teaching And whosoever opposes you know, engages in opposition to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. After, after huda, after hidayah was made clear to them. So again, remember, people, they know the truth. They they, they, they choose to oppose it anyway. And when they choose to oppose the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, even though they've been given hidayah, what do they do? They follow... A path other than the path of the believers. wa nuslihi We will turn that person towards whatever they're turning to. So they're turning away from the path of believers. Allah tells we will further turn them towards the direction... Of, that they have adopted of misguidance and then we will drag them and burn them in the fire of Jahannam مسيرة, and indeed how evil and terrible is the fire of Jahannam as a destination I wanted to highlight one very important term in this verse that only comes from my memory in this one place in Qur'an al-Kareem the path of the believers and so you have okay in the Qur'an the sunnah and there's another term being used by Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala Quran, the way of the believers. Alright? So this is where the Sunni Ulama came up with this doctrine of Ahlul Sunnah al Jama'a. That we are people who follow the Quran and we follow the Sunnah and we follow the Jama'a. What is the Jama'a? It's the Mu'mineen. the way of the believers. So there's something there special that when all the believers do something. So for example, Alhamdulillah, from the time of Sahaba Kiram radiallahu taala all the way up till today, every single year in Ramadan, from the time of Sayyidina Umar ta'ala, until today, every single year, Salatul Tarawih has been prayed in Makkah Muqarama in front of the Kaaba and in Masjid Nabawi Madinah with 20 rakats. So when you have some continuity of amal like that, some amal that spans centuries and has been practiced by Ulama from different ethnicities, races, legal, theoretical schools, that would be something that would be called Sabid al Mu'minin, the way of the Mu'minin. Alright. More broadly what it means is the way of the mu'mineen is nothing else other than Deen of Islam. And so our deen is a deen of a collective. This is why in the very beginning, Surah Fatiha, when we were making dua Allah, we made dua that Allah guide us, ehdina. Ehdina sirat dinah, eh dinah Mustaqim, oh, Allah, guide all of us to Salatul Mustaqim. It's not a go your alone deen, it's, not a, it's a deen of a jama'at of mu'mineen. That's the real jama'at, and in our deen we call that the ummah. Alright? Okay. Then verse one sixteen, Allah repeats a verse that we did for you, I think, yesterday. In <laughs> Allah, la ain wa Allah does not forgive that partners be associated with Him, but and however, Allah Taala does forgive any and everything other than that. <laughs> for whomsoever He may choose. Now I, I forgot to mention when we did this last time it came. If you may remember, it came after the mention of kabair. And so Allah Taala had said that that person was it's the nab from Kabir who stays away from kabair. Then Allah Taala will do you kafiran masayat. Then Allah Taala will weigh for them all of their other evil deeds. So the question remained that okay, well, what about if I've done kabair? So the verse that was another aspect to highlight there uh, that Allah Taala to reassure us that no, He can forgive the kabair also for whomsoever He wants. The only thing He won't forgive on the day of judgment is shirk. Okay, verse one eighteen. It says 118, 119, and 120. Allah is going to just teach us about Shaitan and what does Shaitan say, and what does he want, and what does he do, and how does he operate. So, La Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has cast shaitan outside of his mercy love and compassion waqala and then shaitan he said La min mafruda surely i will take from your creatures your slaves from min bani adam from human beings a portion mafruda that is appointed to me means i will mislead them i will misguide them Then shaitan said And I will surely certainly lead them astray And I will surely certainly mislead them And cause them to go astray And then I will arise wishes and desires And dreams in them وَلَا muranahum, And then I will command them, and I will order them, such that, an Literally it means that they will cut off the ears of the cattle. Then, muranahum, And surely, certainly I will command them. What? fala That they will try to change the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright, so here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing what Shaitan will do. So, first thing, Shaitan is outside, cast outside of the mercy of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is something I had explained earlier on in this series. What did Shaitan do? What's the first way he led people astray? Is he led them astray to do shirk, link it to what came before? What's the one thing Allah wa ta'ala is not going to forgive? Shirk. What's the, then, obviously, what does Shaitan want to lead people into? Shirk. It's Shaitan who. Taught humanity this concept of idol worship or worshipping fire worshipping statues any and every form of polytheism any and every form of idolatry any and every form of paganism that has existed in the entire history of humanity was um, taught by Shaitan to those historical communities or individuals in humanity to lead them astray for one reason only because they were Bani Adam Allah Akbar, for one reason Because they were Bani Adam They were the descendants of Sayyidina Adam Who Shaitan has Absolute hatred and envy And malice and spite for And this aspect then Of the cutting the ears of the cattle This is a specific thing That some of the pre-Islamic Pagans used to do uh, When they As a a sort of type of Not sacrifice by killing the animal But cutting the ears of animals Piercing holes in the ears of animals And then you know Releasing those animals in the wilderness in the name of their false idols, Lat, Manat, and Uzza. Alright? And then any all other types of animal sacrifice that were done to idols, blood sacrifices at altars, all types of things in volcanoes, Ajib, things shaitan has taught humanity. So what we learn from this, not just this one thing, shaitan is the one who was taught. Every single belief, ritual, act of all polytheism, idolatry and paganism in the history of humanity. Why? Because you understood that shirk is the one thing that Allah Ta'ala will not forgive on the Day of Judgment. All right. Then another thing that was mentioned here is that shaitan takes this swear, he's taking a Qasam, he's taking an oath to Allah Wa Ta'ala that they will surely change the creation of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Now, what does that mean? If you want to take it in a scientific way, they will try to do eugenics or genetically modify things. If you take it in a physical way... 20th century way, it could be tattoos it could be, you know changing the natural order of creation, changing gender norms, changing the concept of what is marriage, so many things in natural law natural creation, the way Allah has naturally created humanity the way humanity has historically understood what it means to be human, shaitan will change that To be be human transcends a gender, you can be transgender. To be human means you can have a strange understanding of what marriage is. These are all things coming from shaitan. Right, and so the humans are just victims. Uh, they're victims who are not. We should. They should not be object of our ridicule or mocking, let alone the bilal, our hatred or enmity. They should be actually uh, turned to with mercy and love and compassion and gently, uh, with wisdom, uh, invited out of these satanic deceptions that shaitan has put into people. All right. And then Allah Ta'ala then makes it clear at the end, uh, uh, end of this ayah tahana, waliyon, mindun alhahi, and whomsoever takes shaitan as their intimate, near, friend, protector, guardian in place of Allah, ta'ala, besides Allah Ta'ala instead of instead of Allah, ta'ala, al Khasira Khusrana Mubina, indeed, such a person has lost, a tremendous manifest loss. Ya him. He makes false promises to them. He arouses hopes and desires in them. And Shaitan does not promise them anything except that it is a complete deception. Alright. So we alhamdulillah we're in the month where Allah wa Ta'ala himself has change shaitan but uh, the other 11 months of the year uh, and so many years of our life we are very much uh, at risk so even in this month we should especially make dua the same way in this month of Ramadan you changed shaitan and protected me in that way I know that afterwards he will be released but I need your protection and protect me from him in such a perfect way as if he is chained protect me through the garment of taqwa protect me through the garment of yaqeen protect me through the garment of tabakul allah Protect me through the garment of following the Sharia and Sunnah. Protect me to humility so I never fall into delusions of self-grandeur or think I'm so pious or I'm strong or I'm immune or I'm beyond the reach of Shaitan. And Allah, up till now, if I have not fallen into any of these things, any type of shirk, it's only of your mercy and your guidance and your love and your compassion. And Allah, first, I'm grateful. For that, and I make dua for all of humanity that you send your Hidayah on them as well, and that you rescue all of Bani Adam for each and every treacherous trick of Shaitan. Go forward to verse 125. So, again, verse 25 is a repetition of a verse, but I you know, I don't want to always leave the things that are repeated because if Allah repeats something in Quran at least there should be some feeling of that in our series as well, and this is a good opportunity for me to repeat what I try to say every night, is that this is a series where we are just looking at selected verses of Quran al-Karim so that we can get a glimpse into the incredible teachings of Quran in this month of Ramadan, even the verses we are selecting, there's much much deeper understanding and commentary on them, and every Verse that we are unable to select uh, itself is a gem and jewel of Quran al Kareem. Verse 125. And who could be more virtuous, more noble, more perfect, more excellent, more beautiful in terms of and in regard of their deen? Other than that person, aslama wajhu, they have submitted. Literally it means they've submitted their face. And wajh here means they've submitted their entire direction and expression of their life and their heart and mind and soul, to Allah subhanahu alone. Wa and all the while such a person is muhsinun, a person who does ihsan, who perpetrates and commits acts of virtue, nobility, beauty, and excellence, and they follow to Ibrahima Hanifa. They follow the Milla, and I explained this to you before, so Milla means they follow the, if you will, sort of in English, they follow the cultural, I don't know how, how, they follow this ethical, moral, spiritual norms the collective ethical, moral spiritual norms that were embodied by the life and teachings of Nabi Ibrahim who was Hanifa, who was upright and virtuous and then about Ibrahim salam, what does Allah say? And indeed Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He took Nabi Ibrahim salam, as his Khalil. So Khalil sometimes in English it translated as bosom companion, intimate companion. This is sort of archaic English. So Khalil means they're khullah. So there's one is khullah, one is mahabba, one is mahbubiyah. So khullah, uh, so Khalil is a person you have khullah with, is you're very, very close very close companion, friend, endearment. And Mahabba is love, and Mahbubi is belovedness. Alright? And so some. Uh, of the ulama have said that when Sayyidina Rasulullah, he sallallahu he used to love Ibrahim so much and he told us as an ummah. So, this is one of the many, many beautiful explanations of this that when we recite salawat, druud, and salah, what do we say? Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad kama salleta ala Ibrahima wa ala Ali Ibrahim. So, the Allahumma asked the question that why did the Prophet choose to make Sayyidina Ibrahim the standard of salawat? So, one answer they gave was that although Allah Ta'ala has and had and always has and will bestowed upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the Maqamah Mahmood that he has Ahmad and Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the one who is praised Allah ta'ala the most he is the one who is praised by Allah ta'ala the most he has Muhabba and Mahbubiyah he is the one who loves Allah ta'ala the most and he is the one who is beloved to Allah SWT the most but there is this word that came in Quran Kareem and Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam not only did he want that he should be Ahmad and Muhammad and Mohib and Mahbub but he also wanted to be Khalil and he wanted this virtue also that Nabi Ibrahim had been given here, verse 128 so I did not do the verse that came earlier because a very long commentary of that and by the way we have actually have put up an English tafsir on the website islamicspirituality.org you can get the tafsir of the whole Quran which we taught in two years in Ramadan several years ago, it's not very well organized and labeled on the website but it's there and inshallah at some point uh, you know the team will try to improve uh, that website for all of you so there's a verse that comes in Surah Nasal, the very famous verse earlier which is about nushuz, that if a woman uh, does nushuz and that can be rebellion, disobedience, shameless conduct, immodesty, and can and has been interpreted by many also to mean outright adultery. So what should the process be if a woman does shoes Many times people they just look at that verse and they don't look at this verse. So this verse I'm gonna do for you. Surtana Sasura for one twenty eight a man can also do the shoes, the husband can also do the shoes, means the husband may also be found guilty of ill conduct, shameless. Misconduct, outright adultery, immodesty, violation of chastity, it's the same word in Arabic. Okay? So the same word that was used earlier for women, you know, the wife, is now being used for men, meaning the husband. Alright? Okay. And if a woman fears from the part of her husband that on behalf of the husband that the husband may commit nushuz, and I've explained that. Or she's worried that her husband will abandon her, desert her, turn away from her. Fala junaha Then there is no uh, you know, literally means there's no sin, there's no harm on both of them. yusleha That they should try and do sulah. They should try and uh, bring about peace between one another. They should try to reconcile between one another. that they should try to make terms of peace, find a path to reconciliation between the two of them amongst themselves sulha with the intention to have a lasting permanent reconciliation. And then the third time Allah Ta'ala uses this word was Khair and reconciliation is best. Reconciliation is best. This itself is a very famous just two, three word phrase of ground. sulhu khair, was sulhu khair. So any time it is for any relationship. Any relationship. It can be husband, wife, can be parent, child, can be siblings, can be neighbors, can be business partners, can be professional colleagues, can be friends, can be teacher, student, any relationship. sulhu khair. And reconciliation is the best. Is khair is better. However, what happens is that Shuh, avarice, greed draws souls. Hmm? It literally means it will make itself present in the mind of the person. It means obviously this is an obstacle to that reconciliation. But Allah in Tostenu, however, if you do virtuous adopt virtuous behavior, create acts of beauty and nobility tattaku? And you fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by being conscious of Him and His might and majesty. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ بِمَا تَعْمَنُونَ خِبِيرًا That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ever and always all aware of each and every single thing that you do. Alright? So, this is the verse in Quran that Karim Allah wa ta'ala is mentioning, and, and and I didn't do the earlier one, but the longer process mentioned, the earlier one is for the same reason is Sulh. Sulh is the main goal and objective whenever there is a danger, even let alone outright breakdown in the marriage. to reconciliation, 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 reconciliation. Okay, now I'm in, in 130 allah Ta'ala will mention what will happen when there's not reconciliation but I want to mention to you another thing in 129 because again which I didn't do for you earlier was the verse about marrying two three and four women all right and and their response says you must be just to them again people don't look at that verse in light of this verse so I'm going to do this one for you verse 129 and you will never ever be able to be perfectly just and equitable between multiple women. harastum, even if you deeply desire to do so. So but what you should not do is you should not incline Tamilu, incline, be partisan, lean towards. Kullal Meli with all inclination, towards just one, fatadharuha kalmuallaka, and leave the other one, I mean it's, it's, it's in some contemporary English slang, but that's the literal verse, and leave the other one hanging, that's what it means. Fatadaruha and leave the other one, kalmuallaka, as if she's hanging it, she's suspended. So, Interesting. Allah yes, has said that you can never be completely equitable. So then what is the command? So it means that the real command there, which is to marry two, three, or four, if you're able to be equitable with them, there Allah also said you won't be able to be. Here Allah also saying you won't be able to be. So what is it that you should do? You should not unfairly be partisan towards one over the other. That's really what you have to do. And that's the definition of adl. It's not possible. Walau even if you deeply desired, because it's a matter of the Right? You will ultimately slightly have different feelings or different relationship because every relationship is different with different people. But what you are required to do is that you should not be partisan towards anyone or you should not sideline anyone. All right? Uh, Beyond that, there's much that could be said about that whole topic, and I've said that in detail if you listen to the longer series on the website. Okay. But again, here, again, the word is going to come a fourth time in this, in, in, within this verse. It just came above, if you remember, right. So if you do sula, right, what does it mean? So the one that you were you left hanging, does it mean divorce her? You should do sulha, you should reconcile with her, you should again be loving, compassionate, etc. with her. And you must again fear Allah Ta'ala and be always aware and conscious of Him. For indeed Allah is always and ever all forgiving, all merciful. Alright. Then finally, in this immediate case, but generally as well, in the immediate preceding two cases, one was that the person was more inclined, extremely inclined to one and was leaving one hanging. That was 129 and 128. In the woman's wife's case, that the husband is done. Neshu's ill conduct is going to... So in both of these above cases, and generally in marriage, وَإِنِ يَتَفَرْرَقَىٰ And if the two separate, which is again not, this is the opposite of sulh. They don't reconcile, they separate. It means a divorce. Yoghnillahu kullam min sa'atihi. Allah wa ta'ala will enrich each of the two of them from the abundance and expanse and breadth of His own risk. Waqanillahu wasi'an hakima. Indeed, Allah Allah's wisdom is all encompassing. This is very important also that if they end up, if they can't do the salah for whatever reason, number one, so yugni Allahu, yugnil, literally comes from ghani, to be rich, and yugni, for those of you who remember, it's babi ifal, so Allah Ta'ala will make rich, He will enrich, He will make each of them independent. So some take this to mean al-Musaynah's first literal meaning, which is financial independence. Financial independence. Second is that Allah Ta'ala will make them emotionally independent from one another. Emotion independent from his own wasa, from the breath of his all-encompassing wisdom. All right now obviously there may be time it may take time for that to happen but a person should read this verse if Allah Ta'ala may Allah Ta'ala protect and preserve everyone's marriage all those who are married in the ummah but if it comes to the separation this is the verse that should be recited and reflected and pondered upon and one to make dua to Allah Ta'ala that ya Allah you said in Quran that you would grant me this enrichment physically uh, materially in terms of wealth but also emotionally in terms of my heart spiritually that's the greatest rich that richness that I would want uh, and this is what I hope uh, and yearn from you. Alright? But like I said, it may take some time. Alright, now, uh, verse 133, a totally different topic. Allah Subhanahu to Quran the Quran, in Yesha, you the hibkum that if Allah Ta'ala wills, He can eliminate you. He can remove you from earth. He can take you away. Ayuhannas, oh, O all people. And وَيَأْتِ Allah Ta'ala can bring others. Allah Ta'ala can bring others. Allah ala And indeed Allah Ta'ala is ever and always all powerful and all capable to do precisely that. Allah to do precisely that in over such a matter. So nothing is difficult for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And every person should consider it an honor and a grace And a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That he gave us iman And made us this community of believers Now strictly speaking uh, It does not mean that Allah ta'ala can eliminate the entire ummah of Sayyidina Rasulullah and bring another ummah because we are the last ummah but Allah can't eliminate any segment of that ummah any class of that ummah any group of that ummah it can be a whole group of ulama can be a group of ordinary people can be a whole type of civilization whether Persian or Turkic or South Asian or African it can be anything any collectivity it can also be any single individual. Allah Ta'ala can remove a single individual, can refer to a single act. Allah Ta'ala may remove a single individual from a single effort of da'wah or single service or khidmah of deen and bring someone else in their place. No one is irreplaceable. No one is insubstitutable. No one is perfect. No one is pure. No one is pristine. The only thing that is perfect and pure and pristine and everlasting and irreplaceable is the deen itself. No one, the al-deen, not the greatest Alam, not the greatest wali, not the greatest sheikh, not the greatest abid, not the greatest relief worker, not the greatest humanitarian. None of us are irreplaceable. And if any of us are doing anything for deen, it is only to the favor and grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on the flip side, if anyone of us is neglecting deen, if we're not valuing deen, if we're belittling deen, that Allah ta'ala can bring someone else in our place who would be honor and great. Be grateful for the deen. If there's any netma, bounty, blessing, whether it's health or a roof overhead or safety from war that Allah ta'ala has blessed us with, and we're not honoring that, He's given us safety from war, a bed to sleep in, an air conditioner, and still we don't make a fajr. Allah ta'ala can take away those bounties and blessings from us. Allah ta'ala can take us away from the world. Alright? So this is for us to subjugate ourselves more and more and submit more and more to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, verse 135, another one of these, uh, I, like I mentioned, one of these master usul uh, verses dealing with interpersonal uh, life. Ya يَوَدْ ladhina oh O you have adopted iman, كُنُّ mina qisti That you should be the custodians of justice, the bearers of justice, the ones who established or established upon and established... Justice. alillahi as witnesses to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. even if you must bear testimony against your own selves, you must confess. even if you must confess and testify against your own parents. wal or if you must confess and uh, you must not you must testify against your parents, or you must or even if you have to testify against your close relatives. Allahu Akbar. So, this is a master ruling that justice demands that you must not be partisan, you must not be biased, you should not have prejudice, you should not be should have any favoritism, whether it's for yourself or for your parents or even your close and family members. So, this is an intense level of justice, right? Uh, then, Allah wa ta'ala mentions His own aspect of injustice here. غَنِيًّا أَوْ فَقِيرًا فَاللَّهُ بِهِمًا Whether a person may be rich or whether a person is poor, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is nearer and closer to each of them. Hmm? So means Allah Ta'ala is not partisan between the rich and the poor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is equally near and close and loving and, and is endeared of both the rich and the poor. Hmm? So this is the equity and the fairness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you should not follow your whims and desires lest you deviate. So this is a different meaning of the word Adl. So one meaning of the word Adl is justice, another is that you deviate, you flip. So do not follow your whims and desires lest you end up deviating. Deviating. Hmm? Do not follow your passions Lest you deviate from being just From doing justice From enacting justice If you distort the teachings of justice or you refrain, you turn away from the teachings of justice. Know that Allah is ever and always entirely aware of every single thing that you do. Therefore, آمَنُوا آمِنُوا therefore, O oh you who believe, believe. And this is a very famous. In you know, verse that, oh, you who have adopted belief, professed belief, began your journey in belief, now truly believe by establishing justice, truly believe by adopting true virtuous character, truly believe by doing all of the things that the believers have been commanded to do. Aminu billahi wa rasulihi we believe in Allah Subhanahu wa Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi wa Wasallam, Wal Kitabi, and the scriptural revelation that was sent down and revealed upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Ya Nikur Al Krim, Anzala min and the scriptural revelation that was sent down before. And whomsoever denies and disbelieves in the truth and existence of Allah the angels, his scriptural revelations, his noble prophets and messengers, and the day of judgment, surely such a person has lost the way, a manifest, has gone astray, ba'id, and a far, far astray. Okay, verse one hundred thirty nine is something we talked about before, but just one extra word. So those who have taken as protectors and allies and closest friends, those who deny and dis- deny the truth and disbelieve despite knowing it to be true, and they take the, such people as their allies, protectors and friends, Mu'minin, instead of the believers. A in Do they do so because they seek honor with them No, but rather indeed is honor and dignity all of it is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to be found from Allah, in Allah wa ta'ala and from Allah wa ta'ala. so this is interesting it's, it's something that some people do in this day and age they seek to ally themselves intimately and nearly with those who deny the truth and disbelieve in it because they think that gives us some status or honor or dignity or privilege in this world. izza. But they should know that izza belongs only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and is for Allah wa ta'ala alone. In another verse of Quran, Allah wa ta'ala said that izza is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for the Prophet and for believers. It means izza is through following the teachings of deen. Then, uh, I have to go. Next verse 140. Again, I'm just going to point out the general teaching here, although there's a particular historical circumstance for this revelation as well. This verse as well. Al an ayatillahi <laughs> Where you stahza ubiha, Falla tak maahum, Hatta Yehudu fi Hadithin reihi, In the cum idam mithlum, In the Lah Jamil Malafikin, In the Jamil Malafikin of the Cafarina fi Jahanna Majamia. So here the Lispantal saying is that. And surely Allah سبحانه has revealed and sent down upon all of you believers in so this is plural in the scriptural revelation in yani the Quran al that whensoever you hear the verses of revelation verses revealed by Allah سبحانه ta'ala, yukfaru being denied to be true but, being denied, denied, It is being denied to be true. Or it's being ridiculed. فَلَا Do not sit with such people. Don't sit with people who reject openly the truth, who ridicule Qur'an, who ridicule deen, mock the deen, ridicule anything mentioned in Qur'an al ridicule or deny the sunnah of Nabi al-Kareem ﷺ. Whether they do it out of a, you know, very anti-religious form of secularism, whether they do out of some, you know, perverted, demented uh, hostility towards faith and all matters of belief, do not sit with them. فَلَا udu مَعَهُمْ until hatta until unless hadith and until they engage in some other conversation so that 's also interesting don 't leave them entirely don 't sit with them while they do this until they engage in some other conversation so university student and you sit down and you have three friends and you 're having coffee and they start ridiculing religion, mocking God you can 't sit with them you cannot you cannot sit with them but yes uh when they change their speech and they're just talking to you, let's say about the accounting exam, you can sit with them. Why? Because if you sit with them while they talk like this, إِنَّكُمْ <inaudible> Indeed, then you will be like them. their are Because remember, riba—it It's true of ghibah and it's true of this as well, that if you listen to it, it's as if you said it, right? So the one doing the backbiting it should be in theory worse because they're the one who's saying it. But if you listen to it passively, you're as bad as if you said it. So this is what Allah is saying about this as well, mocking, rejecting, denying, number one, yukfarubiha, and number two, mocking and ridiculing, biha Alright? So this is something we should be very careful of. In this day and age, especially those of us who may have to interact professionally or academically with such people. Then in verse 142, the second part of it, Allah describes the munafikun, the hypocrites. And when they stand for the formal salah, formal prayer, they stand lazily they're basically standing so that people will gaze upon them and see them that they're present and standing. So in that sense, they're standing to show off to people. They're not showing off, look how well I'm standing, because they're standing lazily. They're just standing there to be seen by people that they, yes, they showed up and were present in the formal salah وَلَا يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا and they don't remember Allah Ta'ala except a little bit, so that's what I told you the manafiqun aren't atheists they don't deny the existence of Allah Ta'ala they fully acknowledge his existence that's why inside salah, though they're lazy their mind will wander slightly towards him and they will remember him a little bit and may the ulama have mentioned one of the two attributes mentioned of the manafiqun remember, the manafiqun and the lowest that's coming in 145, that they're the lowest lowest level of Jahannam but number one they do pray number two they stand lazily and number three they want others to they just want others to see that they're praying and number four they don't remember Allah Ta'ala a little bit we should be very scared because a lot of this applies to us all the time if we're praying just so that our kids see us praying or praying just so our parents see us praying or we're going to the masjid because of what people think is the Allah shaykh he doesn't even come for Fajr Salah Hmm. So if we go for that reason, we are yura'oonan nas. If we stand in Salah lazily, sloppily, we don't have proper qiyam, proper ruku, we don't stand with khushu, kaaniteen, we don't stand with all remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. This applies to us. And if our mind is wandering in Salah and we're thinking about all types of things other than Allah Ta'ala, or we're blanked out, or the best of us at the best of times say, yeah, I remembered Allah Ta'ala a little bit in one raka'an, one Salah. Oh, wa Allah illa kalila. Allah Akbar So what's happened to us That the state of our Salah Not just resembles Is exactly identical Word for word in to the Salah that Allah Ta'ala described in the Quran of the Malafakoon so again Alhamdulillah we're in the month of Ramadan and while we're in the state of Fard fasting there perhaps may be very few Fard Hajj also would be a good time to work on this Fard Salah so let's start here what should people say what should I work on these are the things don't stand lazily don't pray so that others think you pray and don't remember Allah Ta'ala only a little bit hmm? start with these three things that Allah Ta'ala has mentioned here in Quran Al-Kareem and then their nature now of what's in their heart why are they remembering Allah ta'ala a little bit right? because I told you they do believe in the existence of Allah's Allah slightly they even have a little bit of a yearning to him illa so they're wavering between this neither are they fully inclined towards these means the believers nor are they fully inclined towards those means the unbelievers hmm and that person who Allah ta'ala lets go astray, they will never ever will you find for them a way back to the path of guidance. Alright. And verse one forty five munafiqina Asfali indeed the hypocrites are in the lowest depths of the fire of Jahannam, and you will never ever find a Nasir for them, any person who will help them out of that fire. Okay, so very strong stuff, right, about the Munafikun. And I did some stuff with you earlier. There were some verses I skipped as well. But after all of the mention of the Munafikun, generally, thus far, and then specifically in 145, maybe one of the strongest things that Allah Ta'ala said about the Munafikun, that would have been the lowest steps of the fire of Jahannam, then what does Allah Ta'ala say? Amazingly, Illa accept. So all of them will be in the lowest level of the fire of jannah and will have no nasir except alladeena tabu, except those who make Toba. Hmm? This is the power of Toba. The power of Toba can be enough to earn the salvation and attract the relenting mercy and forgiveness of Allah ta'ala for the lowest human being who is the munafiq. So then, mean you should make Toba in Ramadan? Hmm? tabu wa So number one, they make tawbah, they leave all of those sins and they never repeat them. Number two, wa aslahu, and they rectify matters, they correct themselves, they do islah. means they bring themselves on to the path of salih they bring themselves on to the path of virtue and piety and righteous, upright behavior, character, action, deeds. And number three, wa and now they hold fast to Allah subhanahu they go deep in deen they become passionate on deen they learn deen they practice deen they attach themselves to deen they turn to Allah they're holding to Allah subhanahu always thinking about Allah making dua to Allah subhanahu wa Deenahum, and then they adopt ikhlas they're sincere in their deen what does that mean? that they adopt deen only and only, purely exclusively for the sake of the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for ulaika ma'al mu'mineen those who were previously what munafikunin darkin fit darkin asfali min al in the lowest depths and pits and abyss of Jahannam, now after having done the tawbah and the islah and the ihtisam billah and the ikhlas of their deen for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these four things, now who are they? mal Now they will be with the believers. Now that they have entered the ranks of the believers, they will be with the believers in Jannah and means and then surely soon Allah will dispose upon the believers, a tremendous reward. Indeed, Ma Yaf Ma bi What would Allah Ta'ala do? What does Allah Ta'ala get? Why would Allah Ta'ala what will Allah do by punishing you? In shakartum, if you are grateful and appreciative to Him, wa amantum and you accept Iman, wa shakiran And Allah Himself is shakiran, and I did this for you before. Is extremely appreciative and values the acts that you do. Aliman is all-knowing of every single thing that you do and think and feel. And this ends in Alhamdulillah The fifth Juz uh, Tomorrow night we'll begin the sixth Juz Which is Surah Tuna Saan, verse 4 148 We make dua that Allah wa ta'ala Give us tawfiq and success From his mercy and his grace And his love and his compassion his rahmah That Allah ta'ala give us a tawfiq To practice what we have learned And to become in every sense Those who are lovers of Quran, knowers of Quran Learners of Quran And live our life according to Quran Wa akhirun ta'wana and alhamdulillah and the he not been on the main.